But Thomas Tuchel's team is not looking so pretty. Not, not, not on the eye. They're not like Man City. They're not like even a Brighton. They're not even like a Tottenham on top stride. <sighs> Does it matter, Jay? Because at the end of the day, people are saying, Lampard is gone. Thomas Tuchel is here. We're winning again. Would you, would you as a Chelsea fan, want more? As a Chelsea fan? Is that your question? Yeah. Like, as a Chelsea fan, would I want more? Let's, let's expand it. Let's first go as a Chelsea route and as someone who's a casual in the EPL or maybe a neutral. Let me start here. Chelsea are boring to watch. They are boring to watch. <laughs> Let me continue that and say Chelsea of the big six teams, traditional big six, since we, we will start the timeline at the, at the point where Roman Abramovich takes over Chelsea and makes them a genuine big six team and, and, and they are the Chelsea that we know now, right? Mm-hmm. Since that period, of all those teams in the traditional big six, Chelsea have been the most boring. <laughs> I've been here many times before and I've never been defeated and still I will never be defeated. It's Jay and this is Chuck. What's up everyone? This is Jay from the Two Up Front podcast where we look at the weekend sporting action and other narratives around the sporting arena that may have gone under the radar. This is Jay, you know what it is. In a week where the news headlines have been dominated by that sit-down interview between Oprah and a certain couple, we are certainly not talking about that. So what up, Chuck? <laughs> What's up, Jay? What an you intro. thought I was gonna go into it, didn't you? I was like, hey, Archie, 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 but it didn't happen. What's up, listeners? This is two up front. We're back for another episode. This is Chuck on this mic. Let's get into it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we might not be speaking about those Brits, but we are in England all the same. First and foremost, big game on the weekend Manchester Derby. United go to the Etihad and they come away with a 2 0 victory. What did you make of the game and what does this mean, if anything, for both these teams? What I make made of the game was that we're still behind City. Um, regardless of the results, when I look at that game, and I think I was tweeting, tweeting, chatting to you. I haven't had my first tweet yet, so... <laughs> yeah, follow Chuck at, at Chuck 2 up. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what I was saying to you, Jay, is that on a normal day, on a normal day. City at least put away four of those chances. I mean, there were fumbles by Gundogan, by Foden. There are chances that they normally would have put away and the game is completely different because United had like a few chances that they did put away and credit to them, but their decision-making was bad, man. You know how many times we broke and had a chance to counter and hurt City, but we didn't? And how many times City broke, got the ball in the right place in the box, but somehow didn't manage to score. So what I make of that game is that it's good to win. I mean, so it's funny that Solskjaer once said in an interview that um, they're not going to hand City the title. They're going to fight, and they're playing City not too, not too long from now. And since then, we've dropped, like, what, nine points? No, six points in those three draws. But then we, we got to City at the Etihad, and we beat them. What do I make of it, Jay, in the end? <sighs> yeah, fine. I mean, with, with, with those three results where we dropped six points, winning doesn't mean much because... Even against City at the Etihad, it doesn't mean much. It, it, it doesn't mean much because we've done it before last season. It didn't help us then. It's not helping us now because we're not making any ground on City. So for me, 
we could have won against Everton book fine. It's, it's a similar similar result. It doesn't do much for my morale to be honest. I'm happy we beat them, but it wasn't one it wasn't convinc- it wasn't a convincing victory. Two, like I said, doesn't take us anywhere. It just allows us to go over Leicester again. Yeah, Chuck, you must be living in 2008. It wasn't a convincing victory. You're expecting convincing victories from Manchester United against Manchester City after coming off three successive nil-nil draws. But, Jay Mamela, that's why I can show you, because of where we are in the league and the fact that we didn't smash them, it doesn't do much for me. If, if we if we ran, Again, with, with, with adjectives like smash, you were anticipating that if Manchester United are going to win against Manchester City, they would have smashed I'm them. I'm not anticipating it. I'm just saying if it had happened in that manner, then I'm, I'm on this microphone today saying to you, I'm elated about the win. But because we just won, so, it doesn't change much so, for me. So, okay, let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. Manchester City are on a 21-game winning streak coming into that match. And Manchester United are on a streak of their own, as I've just pointed out, three successive nil-nil draws. Oh, Manchester yeah. United come away from that game at the Etihad, the formerly... Uh, ne- noisy neighbors with a 2-0 victory and it's a big thing for you that the perform the performance wasn't wasn't really convincing or the fact that you won but you can't quite quantify how exactly <laughs> you won that match is that what you're saying what i'm saying is this year when they interview pep about the up- upcoming game against southampton and they say um, um, southampton has shipped a couple of goals in recent times and they mentioned the 9-0 united pep says they're going to score 18 like, even after getting beat by us, Gafan, to him, it's like, ah, whatever. It doesn't mean much. And to me, it feels the same. That, yes, we beat them, but it doesn't, it doesn't add to anything. That's why I can tell you, we might as well have won against uh, West Brom or Sheffield or whatever. Because it doesn't do anything for us beating them on that day. Yes, it ends their run. Yes, we've broken um, the winless run that we've had. Uh, it I, must I mean something. I can't it. help but feel like it must mean something. And what I do think it means, maybe not this season, um, and last season as well, as you as you so rightly put it, Manchester United did actually win this very same fixture away at the Etihad mm. against Manchester City in what was a more convincing victory, um, yeah. if we be if we're being honest. And you know what, with everything that is going around, that is going on around Solskjaer and the recent run of form. Again, I'd like to point out that Manchester United are better off this season than they were last season. And if Man United finished third last season, if they managed to finish second this season, what does that tell you about next season? It tells us that Ali's going to be in the job again. He's going to win the EPL title. Okay, they might not uh, win the EPL you, title, yeah. but here's the thing for me, right? Yeah. I do, I do think it's important, and I've said this before, I do think it's important that when you're on the field with a team like Manchester City, particularly on the run, that they've been on and you manage even if if even if they don't quite even if they don't win right they would have been competitive but they won mm. that's the thing they won and now as things stand Tosha has a winning record against Pep Guardiola the trick now is whatever it is that we're able to figure out against this team and you know it's a, it's, it's a derby and we know that um, things aren't quite the same when you go into derby matches mm-hmm. there are different motivations and there are bragging rights that are that are up for grabs even though there are no fans in the stadiums but at the end of the day when Solskjaer goes into the dressing room when he addresses those players he can and should be able to point to the fact that if we can stay on the field with these guys because here's the thing Manchester City are going to look like the better team in most games 
But at sure. the end of the day, if you're trying to get a result, you're not trying. You're not necessarily trying to outpass them. You know, you're not mm-hmm. trying to have more possession than they do. You're not trying to have more passes than they complete. You're trying to stay in there. You're trying to take the waves that are going to come because you know that they're going to come. You're trying to weather that storm, and then you're trying to hit them on the counter. Manchester United did that brilliantly last season. Not so much this season, apart from the goal yeah. by Luke Shaw, because starting from the back, that javelin throw from from Henderson, brilliant, you know, yeah. and Luke Shaw. Going, going on his run, and I feel, I feel like Cancelo. What the heck were you doing? The angle that he took to try, uh, like stop Luke Shaw on at at the center line. Cancelo is one of those fullbacks who don't really know how to defend. And at the end of the game, you have it might not have been pretty, might not have been impressive, but you have Manchester United who have won away at Manchester City, two 0 You know, and as I'm saying. It should act as a springboard or rather as as, as 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 a foundation or blueprint that Solskjaer can address his team and say, we should be able to do that. If not quite the performance, the, the, the wherewithal that you go into the game with, the mindsets, the attitude, and we'll, we'll, we'll do better. We'll be closer to these guys. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry I'm not as happy as I should be as a United fan. Maybe I should be happier. But Jay, when I look at our, our performance against Crystal Palace, I remember saying to Wute Ole out because... It looked to me like Oli doesn't know why we win or why we lose. Because he waited until Van Rommel's taking the 75th minute to make a sub. And nothing in that game from, from, the, from, the fifth, from the 15th minute onwards, nothing changed. It was just the same from both teams. And you, and you were thinking, aren't you going to try to throw in a different, a different player to try to change the dynamics, the shape, someone who's going to bring that individual brilliant something? He didn't do that. And now we're motivated by the derby. We win. Next game against West Ham, I don't think we're going to play as well as we did against City. We, we've got three games on the bounce where we just did absolutely nothing. So for me, Jay, if it was a potential six-pointer, we would uh, inch closer to City. I'd be over the moon whichever way we win. Whether it's winning VAR, a penalty, or whatever, I'd, I'd take it any way it comes. But with this particular performance, Jay, as well, when you're saying we're not looking to outpass City or outplay them or look better than them on, on, the, on the day, but I felt City were their own worst enemies. It wasn't because of our good defending that they didn't get through. It's because they wasted chances themselves. That's why I look at that performance and I'm thinking, on a normal day, City put those away and the game is completely different. So what does it mean? It means that we're three, three points closer, but the gap is still huge. The gap is still huge. And it's West Ham coming up and they play full if I'm mistaken. So... Yeah, we might be um, back to square maybe one. maybe it does not mean much, as 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 you put it for Manchester United. Does it mean anything for Manchester City? Nothing still. <laughs> Nothing. I mean, look, it might be a reality check because obviously you're obviously running on, you're 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 living on cloud nine with the games that you're winning and how easy some of them happen to be because it's almost as if as soon as they lace on their boots, touch enter the pitch they're going to win. And it was almost like an inevitable process for them. They were like an unstoppable machine. They were the juggernauts at some point. The fact that they were halted by Man United, who were so many points away. I mean, Pep did warn his players that he doesn't want anyone who's complacent, anyone who thinks that the league is already wrapped up. But, I mean, for them, it's a wake-up call. Um, And I think they're not in danger of losing it. I don't think so. But if anything, it's a wake-up call. That's as best as I can sum it up for them, that particular loss. So... Leading up to this game, right? Mm-hmm. Manchester City actually, um, and I was thinking about this, that winning actually matters a lot. 
Manchester City was subpar against Arsenal. Um, Arsenal who were missing some yep. players, but in, they score early in that game and then they don't do much for the rest of the game. You know, they're not necessarily better than Arsenal in that game. And then they they play against West Ham and both Diaz and Stones score the two goals that lead them to the victory and in that game. How many times game are as well. Yeah, how many times are they centre backs going to actually score goals that lead to wins? Well actually Jay in the weekend's game, did you see when um Diaz was crossing to Stones and I'm thinking, where the hell are these people playing? But it's it, not gonna happen after Total that. Total football point. taking to the next <laughs> level, hey? Yeah. And then you got the game against Wolves. They it's one one until the 80th minute. They score three goals in in the last ten minutes, and the scoreline then reflects that they've won the game four one. Mm-hmm. So they've not been impressive really in the last so three much, games yeah. leading up to this game, you know. And and we've spoken about the fact that in the context that it's Manchester City, Manchester City were there for the taking, and they were taken by Manchester United. In this particular game, you know what you know what the interesting thing for me is. So that mm-hmm. Arsenal game that I start off with in this run, that's the first time Kevin De Bruyne comes back into the starting lineup since Kevin De Bruyne has been back in the starting lineup. They've not actually looked as good as they did when he was out and Gundogan was running that midfield and 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 acting like the second coming of Lionel Messi. Mm. You know, am I suggesting that they better off with, without Kevin, without Kevin De Bruyne? No, I'm not. I just think they found a groove. Um, in, in in that purple period, and they just need to find a way to, as I keep saying, like to reintegrate him into the team. Interesting point. Where it works for everyone. A couple of episodes ago, remember we posed a question: which, He's fit now. Do you play him or do you leave things as is? And I was saying he's the best player that you have. Throw him in. Yeah. I mean, because you, you've got him. And since then, yeah, they've been winning, but not as. And he's not looking so. very good at the moment. And maybe he needs to find his feet again. I think he's not the best piece to have right now. And maybe against Southampton, he needs to start on the bench and see what that gives the team. But I think, I mean, remember when, when he had those niggles early on in the season and Pep was saying he, he needs him to play every game. And he was playing him all the time. All the like, time. In so, terms of like that Pep roulette, it didn't affect Kevin De Bruyne. So he might stick with him because, I mean, you can't point out to, to Kevin, yeah, but Lisa, because of this and this he's not doing, but the team itself is not functioning the way that they usually do. They're not as ruthless or they're not as free-flowing. I don't know what to exactly say it is, but it's just not happening as it was a couple of games ago. I'm convinced, at least where Gundogan is concerned, he might actually be better off in a midfield that does not include the black hole that is Kevin De Bruyne and I say the black hole in terms of he he dominates the ball when he's mm. when he's on the field and rightly so he's earned the right to dominate the ball because he is the best player on the pitch it just so happens that he might not actually fit as well uh, or with Gundogan for what for what we have seen mm. that Gundogan's game can turn into when he is actually given a a a, a bigger load to handle yeah. you know the other thing, I the thing that I do think it does for City, I think it takes the pressure off with the winning streak. Um, they don't have to go into every game thinking about the fact that they have to continue keeping up the streak. There are bigger prizes that City are like are fighting for that they are that they're looking ahead towards getting and trying trying to be like to have the longest winning streak in European football history. Is secondary to them trying to win a Champions League title, to them like regaining the the EPL title, and perhaps maybe winning a a, a quadruple. You know, mm. so I think if they were going to lose, now is a good a time as any. If there's ever a, ti- a good time to lose, now is a good a time as this any. This is the second time lose. that I'm hearing this. I think if there was ever a time to lose, it would be five games down the line when it's almost like in the bag. 
But now, Jay, Fulham might spring up a surprise because didn't didn't uh, no, it was West Brom who got a draw against um, City and then the yeah. manager Slavon Bilic got sacked. Maybe Fulham are thinking to themselves that we've got a chance because Jay, you listed three if Fulham games. are thinking that they're delusional. Uh, if they're, uh, Jay, if they're, if they're watching <laughs> Manchester City and thinking we have a chance, you no, know what? Mamela, they did beat Liverpool, but like if they're really thinking we have a chance, but Jay, Mamel, we listed three Scott games Parker. where City were not up to up up to up to their particular good standards, right? Sure. And they were there for the taking and weren't particularly punished. United were able to punish them. A team that has gone three games without a win. They were somehow, yes, they've got the quality that Fulham don't have, but they were somehow able to turn it on and punish them. So maybe Fulham are thinking we've got a chance because if it all crumbles now, if they have a mini-collapse right now, then it's the worst possible time to have a defeat. It's a good time. It's March. If you have a mini-collapse, you can pick it up in April because Who's they, they're, they're pretty much already through in, in the Champions League. They just need to handle their business at home against Moshin Khadbak. And then it, you are, you're waiting to find out who you're playing in, in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. And you still have yes, the you. lead. And as you put it, Manchester United, they may have won against... City in, on the weekend, but if if say City do have a collapse, do you do you do you have anyone in mind? United, Leicester, Chelsea, or anyone else? It's West Ham United. or anyone else who actually could capitalize on that? It I don't a, think so. It is only United who can, not just based. But on would position, they? But I don't think they would. You know. So if there's that, that, if but, there's but a it'll time it'll for a mini collapse, chance. Chuck, in terms of there being like what three months left in the season, now's the time to do it. So on Saturday, but I'm thinking it gives them a chance to. Are you I picking Fulham to beat Manchester City? Say it. If you want to make money. <laughs> <laughs> but here's another thing. Here's another thing that I'm, con- I'm considering now. Which Pep has played Kevin De Bruyne in a false nine role. Doesn't, don't you think that will solve City's current issues if you push Kevin De Bruyne up front and he's not necessarily the black hole? Then Gundogan can come back and run the show and play with Bernardo Silva maybe. You know what? If it means Jesus is not playing the team, then I'm for, all for it. Because, <laughs> nah, man. You know someone said that <laughs> Manchester City deserve... Better than than Jesus, and they really oh, they, do. Yeah, I know they do. They really do. You can't tell me with a team with that much with that much money, with that much talent. When Aguero's out, that's all they have. You know, that's the scary part, though, as well. As I keep saying, it's like Aguero's not been playing, and Jesus is not filling his boots. But here, at Manchester City just running over everyone else. Yeah, nice. But anyway, we'll um, see. Chuck is picking Fulham to beat Manchester City because Manchester City apparently are, are, are vulnerable, <laughs> and they're there for the taking for the cottages. I'm just saying, we've been Sweet. saying what they haven't hit their top form, haven't hit their stripe in the last couple of games. United got at them. Fulham have as best a chance as they ever will all season. Now is the time for them. We shall see. They've already slayed Liverpool, so why not add the other champions? So, Jay, um, from one record to another, and we don't know if it will stand and for how long it will. Thomas Tuchel, 10 games, 11 unbeaten. Games. Um, sorry? 11 games. 11 games. Um, 10 clean sheets, right? Yeah, I think. No, 19 sheets. I think they've considered two goals. Okay. One I know, of, it's, one, I one know it's, it's five clean sheets at home to begin a Premier League career never that's been done the, before. That's the, that's, the, that's the record, right? Yeah. But Thomas Tuchel's team is not looking so pretty. Not, not, not on the eye. They're not like Man City. They're not like even a Brighton. They're not even like a Tottenham on top stride. <sighs> Does it matter, Jay? Because at the end of the day, people are saying, Lampard is gone, Thomas Tuchel is here, we're winning again. Would you, would you as a Chelsea fan, want more? As a Chelsea fan, is that your question? Yeah. Like, as a Chelsea fan, would I want more? Let's, let's expand it. Let's first go as a Chelsea route and as someone who's a casual in the EPL or maybe a neutral. 
Let me start here. Chelsea are boring to watch. They are boring to watch. <laughs> Let me continue that and say Chelsea of the big six teams, traditional big six, since we we will start the timeline at the, at the point where Roman Abramovich takes over Chelsea and makes them a genuine big six team and, and, and they are the Chelsea that we know now, right? Mm-hmm. Since that period, of all those teams in the traditional big six, Chelsea have been the most boring those jose Mourinho teams they were dominant but my goodness they were an eyesore i could not stand watching those those, those teams I, re- I just recall the top of my mind when they won i think my must have been like the, fr- the first premier league title and they won it at, at, at bolton and i was watching that game and geez chuck brah <laughs> it makes it all the more painful for us who are united and arsenal fans at that particular time with the shawan dude and and so i think i think I'm answering as a Chelsea fan. I think Chelsea fans have been conditioned that they, unlike the other teams, they don't look for style. They've they've never been promised a certain way of playing. I mean, even even Tottenham are infamous for the the Spurs way of playing. I don't know why for them because I mean it's never led them to anything. Mm. So, a friend of ours who's who's, who's a That's Chelsea fan, Arsenal like he was he was saying Tottenham. on the weekend that. He not, he was never convinced of Frank Lampard, right? Yeah. Tuchel now has taken over and is on the run that he's he's on. Now he says that Chelsea have a real manager. He seemingly is not concerned by the fact that in eleven games Chelsea have only scored thirteen goals. In the in in, in the game against um who did they just win against now Everton in the yeah. game against Everton, it's an own goal. It's a penalty. No they won two 0 off of an own goal and a penalty. And the rest of the time, you're not looking at them like and 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 they don't. They're not cutting through teams. They have a lot of possession. Yes, yeah. And they are hard to break down as well. Yes, that's why they have the clean sheets that they do and the defensive record that they have. You know, which is impressive to be sure. Don't get me wrong. Like what what Tuchel is doing with his Chelsea team is impressive because he's getting the results right. Yeah. But it's not pretty. Um, and I actually don't think Chelsea Chelsea fans mind that it's not pretty because they do not know any better. <laughs> They've never experienced they, any they better. Had, they, they had there hazard was a for a while where there was hazard, Mata and Oscar on the same pitch, and they were the three amigos, and things were pretty then. But just then, but seasons. even then, I would I would go and say that they valued the fact that they won yeah. when they when they when, when the thing about Chelsea fans is that they can't stand not winning because they've become accustomed to winning as I'm saying, in the last 15, 16 years. By any means. You know, by any means. And those means usually look like just them being a presence on the field and just suffocating teams and getting the result however way. Actually, when when you say that, no one has ever complained about Marina being their coach. Sorry, let me re- let me rephrase. Everyone but Chelsea has complained about the style True. that Marino has had when he's coming to their team. Tottenham are saying they're going to sacrifice style, but he's going to bring them um, trophies. We're still waiting. At Madrid, it was an issue. At United, it was an issue. Ah, at Inter, Inter were desperate as well. So. Inter and Italian team. <laughs> yeah, so they, they took it. But So the whole league is but, Chelsea. <laughs> shots fired. But when you look at Marino's first stint and his second stint, no one complained because they got the trophies. But Jay, I, I want to just come in with my own, own agenda here. I, I feel with you, Thomas Tuchel is, is, is lucky because... What, 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 what? And I'm firing shots. Ah, <laughs> man, Let me hear this. What man, is lucky? What Thomas Tuchel is doing, for me, is very similar to what um, Lampard is doing. What do I mean? We look at the clean sheets, Jay. Oh, Lampard got rid of the, the, uh, the, who's the keeper? Kepa. Kepa. The Kepa problem. 
Gordon Mendy, he got Thiago Silva. They were playing with Zuma. At, for some for some period of time, they were showed up at the back. Book value, number one. Number two, his best player was, was Mason Mount. Thomas Tuchel's best player is still Mason Mount. They are scoring a very low number of goals. Werner's problem is not solved. Harvard's problem is not solved. Ziyech's problem is not solved. It is exactly the same as was, was under U, 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 U Lampard. But for some reason, one way or another, Chelsea are winning. See, if they are winning 3 or 4 nil, we can say it's a turnaround. But if you nick that, that own goal, you nick that penalty here and there. But check, it is a turnaround. It must, but it is a turnaround. But like, not down to the coach and his systems. It's just down to... Wait, 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 wait. It's not, it is definitely down to the coach and his system. The one who's chopping and changing players, it's like Pep Relay. For me, for me, they're chopping and changing. So let me, let me say some good stuff about Chelsea and Tuchel. So for me, they're chopping and changing. And I've joked about this before that Thomas Tuchel is holding trials in the middle of the season. And it is one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. The fact that he believes in his system and his system actually is proving to work so well that you can actually plug and play guys who are of a similar talent. I mean, as you say, like Christensen is now looking like he's a regular in the team. Rudiger was also a regular in the team and then Rudiger is out and they still like keep a clean sheet, clean sheet, you know. Mm. Um, Silva, Silva is, you think, he is the first first defender on, on the team sheet because he's familiar with, with Tuchel from his time at PSG. Mm. He's been down with injury and they have not missed him. Azpilicueta is now back in the team. He has played every single game and I think every single minute of every single game since Tuchel has, has taken over. And Chelsea are not the worst for it in a season where James, Rhys James that is, was was looking to up, like upend him and replace him as the starting right back. But Tuchel has somehow found a space for both of them on the same team. Mm-hmm. And similarly... When you go in the midfield, he keeps chopping and changing between between Kovacic and 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 Kante and Jorginho, and they do not miss a beat. The only problem is up front. Jay, they don't miss a beat because they dominate possession, but don't do much with it. No, now, they don't. Now it's just hold, keep the ball. If you're not there to win us the game, there's not much wrong that you can do when you got quality players around you. But they're not losing, Chuck. But like, you don't, you don't go eleven games without losing. Just just on luck. But Mendy is there because of Lampard. He was trying to fix the issue. Thiago Silva is there because of Lampard. Rhys James, Lampard uh, uh, um, finding. Chilwell, Lampard yeah, signing. Yeah, they were there. So what but I'm what saying, was he doing with these guys? That's what I'm saying. That's George, why he was fired. There was a period, Jay, where they were solid. Where Jay, There was a period where all of us in our FPL team, well, not me, you're getting a guaranteed six points. There's a clean sheet as well. It just so happens that there's a turn of, of, of form at the wrong time of the season. Like I said, in this particular campaign, everyone has had, a, has, has had a dip in their form. It just so happened to Lampard was at the wrong time. Because where are Chelsea? It's not like Washington in, in 10th place. They are, well, they, they were three still. points ahead of Arsenal at the time of his firing. Yeah, and Arsenal was still, in, in, like, was still trying to turn around what has been a horrendous season at the peak of Arsenal's horrendous form. Uh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to add to this particular argument because Washington play against Leeds. Let's see if they, they'll maintain those, those clean sheets and maintain that record because I do not think that they're doing this because of that guy's coaching. I think what might be saying, it's that hype that Chelsea players always have. With the, Chuck, if we you don't can want see the player, system, bro. You can see the system. I can see the system sharp, Jay, but what I'm saying And is the that, system came with the coach. Okay, Jay, when, when Ole went on 12 game and beaten Ryan, I could do the Mourinho, but that United, was the players. We know that because we've I, never I, seen I, the Jay. system from Ole. Jay, 
Ole promised the United Way was going to come back, and we came back Shannon on PSG. The United Way had come back. It was just a reaction to having a new coach. I believe the Tuchel thing is still the reaction to having a new coach. Since when? That's so bang And Hassan Odoi is not supposed to be defending balls, supposed to be scoring them. He hardly defends when he's playing right wing back. Same thing with Reese James. He's hardly in positions where he's being attacked by Maravenza. the he's opposition and he's asked to be a defender. Yeah, um, this is not me arguing for the fact that it's it's amazing. As I said, it's boring to watch. So, like so, I, so don't, I don't, I don't enjoy watching like Chelsea. I know what it is. I'm going to Hal because at some point this football was boring. I'm more of a poor. I was saying don't be Chelsea one and all, but I guess shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter if if you win, you win. I mean, end of the day, here's the thing that they say about champions: they find a way to win, even if it's ugly. So even if the game is tight and you look like crap the whole game, if you nick one, whether it's off your shin or whether it's a, it's a handball that the referee didn't see, however you win it, and right now Chelsea is in a long, however you win it, run of games where they're winning games. So maybe you shouldn't. Yeah, I'd like to be entertained, but I'd like to win first. So I think that takes preeminence. You know what, winning. considering that this is the professional game, the professional game has demands for teams to bring in results. The reason that coaches get fired and they get hired is because of what happens in that win column, what happens in that points column. So ultimately, in terms of the goal, the vision, the thing that you're trying to do with a team like Chelsea or any of the big teams, you're trying to win, right? Mm -hmm. Even actually, actually, even with the smaller teams, if you're trying to avoid relegation, what's going to keep you from being relegated is getting results. How you get those results doesn't matter. To an extent, because we so we see with, with with Sheffield, for example, Sheffield had 39 goals scored, 39 goals conceded last season, and they finished eighth, ninth, or tenth, one of one of those three positions. Yeah, this season, they come and they were on the precipice, clearly, you know, mm. and it just they just happened to land on the right side of the ledger. Whereas this particular season, they've gone the opposite side of that. So, you do want performances that that are effective actually more than like the, that are pretty. Mm. I do think fans deserve to watch beautiful football. I mean, we are we are paying for what we are watching, you know. In terms of going to the stadium or, or whatever subscription that we have in whatever countries that we live in to actually watch these these games that also enable these guys to be paid as much as they do from the coaching staff to the players. And it was a privilege to watch a team like Barcelona, you know. Mm. But I think that's a rare thing to, 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 to actually figure the style and have it be effective. And I know this firsthand as an Arsenal fan. Because at the height of Wengerball, <laughs> when you had Kleb in there, when you had Fabregas in there, you had Thomas Rosicki in there, and, and, and before Abu Dhabi was, was, was broken by injuries, it was beautiful to watch. Even extending that to when you then bring in a Mesut Ozil, when you bring in a Sanchez, a Sanchez you know, but it never actually produced any results in terms of, well, this is what Arsenal have to show for it. One of, one of the more famous nights in Arsenal's European history is beating Barcelona, that very dominant Barcelona at the Emirates 2-1. What happens in that tie? They go to the new Camp and they get knocked out anyway. So <laughs> would you rather have the, the memories of, of, of the slick passing and, and, and those glorious goals that they scored? Nah, I take I take titles over that any day. So, results over style. Uh, so Substance I guess over style. This is like maybe message to Scott Parker, Graham Potter, because Fulham play good football. Brighton play good football, but where they are in the log, 
does not reflect any of that. So plumber guys just keep it pragmatic like Burnley do, just do enough to survive. Um, so Jay, we're crossing sports now. Um, drop the soccer ball, pick up the cricket ball. And the captains, the captaincy actually. Timba Bavuma is now officially... Timba! 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 Now, now, like, yo, Timba has done well. From being the first black batsman to being the first black centurion to not being the first black cricket captain of the Proteus. Jay, what's your, what's your immediate reaction to that? It's about damn time. Sound like LeBron James. My, re- my reaction oh, to it is I'm happy for Timba. We, in one of our earliest episodes, actually, we covered Timba Bavuma reacting to yet another question about the coaches system and how he feels with that being lumped onto him and we were very impressed by his his response he was he was conscientious he was thoughtful and he was measured in his response you know the traits of dare i say it a captain a leader you know yeah and to see him have the kind of criticism that temba gets i mean literally if Temba Bavuma is in a Proteus team and whatever the reason that Proteus team might lose, his name is going to come up. Yeah, it tends to he's, come up. He's, he's you had, know? Yeah, he's had that for a long time in his career. Yeah, there's just a the firestorm around him. The, the Proteus um, form over the last two, three years even, it's been bad. And then somehow it coincides with Temba even when he's not part of um, the fault why, why they lost. I mean, on the flip side, when you look at his ODI and T20 career, he's been able to... Routine, polish his, his, his brand or his appearance in terms of the critics and the pundits when it comes to that format because he's opened the batting no quitting the cock and that's that's worked very well for him. But yeah I wanna throw a span in the works here with maybe a controversial question. When the Springboks were battered um, by the new by New Zealand and it was a record score and fifty seven nil. And things are looking bleak and no one is expecting us to do anything at the World Cup, obviously in that particular cycle with a couple of years to go. We appoint Sir Khaleesi as our captain, first black captain. Country goes crazy. It's inspirational. It's all, that's, all that it is and the World Cup as well. Do you think that Cricket South Africa are trying to do the same? Because we're in the pits right now. Do you think we're looking for that inspirational kind of jumpstart for, for the cricketing side to finally find form or something like that? We're looking for something, Chuck. <laughs> Anything where the Proteas are as a team, where the Proteas are as a brand, and going above to CSA, we are looking for something because, um, as we've said, it's. I mean, if I, if 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 I were to remind the the listeners that both of our Mumish of the year to close out twenty twenty was Cricket South Africa. Yep. You know, mm. that's that's how bad we at least thought and viewed the Proteas. So we have been looking for something and on the field we've been looking for a captain. You know this. You know how I feel about Quentin de Kock. I I could not stand the fact that Quentin de Kock is the leader of this team and yet he goes out in situations where we need him to knuckle down yeah. and just like occupy space out on on like at, at the crease. And Quinton de Kock just goes out there and he plays his natural game and he's 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 going out to shots that he should not be playing, particularly in certain situations now that we are not in a good phase in, in our cricket where as a number five batsman in the in the test side at least, he kept on finding himself in positions where, okay, can you play what is called in, in, in like in cricket terms, in cricket like like parlance, a, a captain's knock. He never mm. gave us that, you know? Yeah. And 
there is the argument in the school of thought that you know what he should be unburdened with leadership roles also adding to the fact that he is the wicked keeper and he should just be left to concentrate on himself and on his game so i do think that we needed a change mm. and in terms of temba temba is by the way just to to be clear he's he's the odi and t20 captain yeah or not, he's not, not the overall. The he's other he's one not the Dean test Elga. captain. Yes, the other in the, in the test arena is Dean Elga, and he's a good selection because he's, he's someone who is going to be in the team. Yeah. You know, in terms of the subpar players that we have in our test team right now, he's one of the guys who are a mainstay at the moment. You know, when you switch over to the ODI, the, short, the shorter formats, and the appointment of Temba, it's it's strange because Temba made his debut in, in the ODS two years after he made his debut in the, in the test arena. And then mm-hmm. he went a long time without playing in the lim- yep. in limited overs cricket because there was a notion that he's not a short format player. He doesn't score you know? quickly enough. He doesn't yeah. score quickly enough. And then he's brought back into the team, not necessarily because of anything that he's shown, but again, because of where we have been as as, as the Proteus team. Let's try him out. Let's see what he has. Mm-hmm. You know, he surprises us, Chuck. Yeah. And it's actually funny enough, he's 30 years old, turning 31, but he is actually still very early in his ODI career because he's only played, played six ODIs. But in those six, six ODIs, he's only played six ODIs. Wow. Can you believe it? He's got an average of 55, mm. which means with that limited sample size, he is going to be in the team, you know? Yeah. And I, 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 I hearken back to what I just said, that he, he has surprised us and my expectations is that he is going to surprise us again. You know, I Hopefully. I have great hope for, for, for Temba Bavum. I hope that's the case. I mean, what, what Jay is referring to, Makuma Kuntitikok, is that Kuntitikok is forever in T20 mode. Um, assume a scenario where the team is... It's childish. <laughs> assume a scenario where the team is 100 runs up in, in, in like 10, 12 overs and he's just come in to bat. Because of the scenario, that's how he just swings the bat. Sometimes it comes off, but a lot of the time it doesn't, especially not in the chest arena. I mean, Jay... <clears throat> Someone was alluding to in an article that I read, Oguti, some, some or part of the reason why Tim doesn't have the best um, form in terms of conversion rates in test cricket is because he keeps losing partners. And when you think about the situation, it's Kumangai Oguti. Mangenu Temba usually is batting on Quentin Tukok. After Abo, 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 Peterson, Abo, Abo, Rabada, all those people. So by the time uh, 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 Temba gets to 40, 50 runs, people are going out. And so yeah. it's not always his fault that he doesn't convert. So, but anyway, he's had his struggles. If we just focus and zoom in on him alone, one thing I've been wondering, Jane, and I mean, well, well executed and well explained in terms of he's the he's the shorter format captain and his short format um, batting is quite exceptional. He has surprised us. I've always heard this uh, this this idea, this notion that I've never understood. It happens only in cricket where the captaincy is a burden. I and you understand. I I, I even googled what's oh, like a captain Ian for him to be burdened because everyone says. I'm leaving the captaincy to focus on my cricket. Like, what, what are you doing that you you know what you mean? Like, I've always asked myself this question. With the, so, so what does being a captain mean? Because one, one, of the, one of the fears I had initially when I read that is that if Timber's struggling with his batting form, why give him that, that, that captaincy? Is it not going to be a poison chalice then? Will he not go back to, we shouldn't have trusted this guy? Will that not be a burden on him as it was on Quentin? So that was my question with Jay. Is it a bit too soon? Because, I mean, he's got a record as a, as a uh, captain of the Lions. Lions just won that short, for, short format series. I'm not sure if it's T20s. I think it was T20s. They just won that now under Timber's leadership. Do you think it's the right time, Manja Jay? When is the right time to actually thrust leadership upon someone? Whenever I would 
argue you you see the potential you mm-hmm. know obviously you want to nurture it um you 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 don't actually want to give a guy more than he can handle but as i said tim is like 30 bro <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah. graham smith like was given the proteus captaincy when he was 22 you know and for mm. all accounts graham smith is an excep- exceptional leader you yeah. know i don't think we've quite had the ilk of graham smith since graham smith no. but the fact that we even went to quinton de kock to begin with chuck with the captaincy tells you that we've been we've been scratching around because Ed Macron was also touted as a potential option, but that never came to fruition. He's probably a future captain. And yeah. I think they actually took this decision to protect Macron. Because if Macron is the guy you want to give the job in a couple of years, and you want him to have the job for the rest of his career, uh, which you hope is going to span over 10 years, mm. you know, you do want him to concentrate on his batting only at the moment. And to that point that you make, I've thought about this as well in terms of why are you not like in the why are you not in the nets anymore the only thing i can think of to explain why with cricket the captaincy is such a burden is something that i figured for myself like a long time ago is that cricket is the sport where the captain actually has a role beyond being just a an inspirational figure or just being a voice you know like when you think about great captains in in football for example you think Ricky and you think John Terry and the thing you think about these guys is that they are laying their bodies on the line for the team. You know, it's guts and glory. But in terms of how it affects the way that the team play, they're not the guys who are out there necessarily like shouting out um, formations or where guys should be, you know. Mm. But in terms of cricket, the captain, he he's, he's part of the selection team in most cases. And then when you get onto the field, he is the guy who's actually directing everything that is happening out there from particularly when they're on the field when when, when they're bowling and, and fielding you know mm. he's the guy who is enacting the game plan he's the guy who's deciding that you know what maybe i want to go for spin at this moment uh maybe i want you to come from the other end he's the guy assessing the conditions and assessing what he has in his team the assets that he has available to him in terms of uh, who do i want to utilize how do i want to utilize you and you see it so often the the bowlers you see you see you see the the fielders they have conversations with the captain so he actually he actually has a lot of responsibility um relative to the other captains in other sports he actually he actually has a a, a bigger responsibility and i think then the day to day of that might distract you if not from how you practice like mentally how you prepare because you're not only preparing for your your own game you are preparing for being a secondary coach so to speak so Jay, when i was looking at all those roles that you listed i came across a, a large variety of rather much most of those things that you that you mentioned and my question was simple to myself okay so the captain has got a million things to do why about bambis it, it doesn't make sense Jay, because my man You've got a whole uh, coaching squ- uh, coaching squad or team or whatever. Why must you be the one? Because you're not like you're analyzing players' stats or whatever, saying, well, no, here's the next guy we need to go. They probably give you a list of names. With you. Here's who we think should come in. Here's their form, whatever. And then maybe you have a say. Someone should come in and help with that, number one. Number two, you can't tell me, maybe I am captain of my own franchise or I know certain players personally or I've seen their performance that... You're the only one to tell us who's going to come in next. Well, isn't there someone to help him? We're going to 
obviously yes there, there probably is but take that burden off of him say what you're fine you're going to be my on-field strategist i'll make the calls i'll tell the empire to get along get along but you strategize for me can't there be someone to help with all those burdens because it doesn't make sense to expect one person to do all those things because it means that we're not choosing a, le- a leader we're choosing a mr cricket you need to know everything basically for you to be a, a cricket captain which is unrealistic because if it's a risk then putting Graham Smith at age 22 because what does Graham Smith know about all these things at that particular level? So for me, I think Timber should get the job, but it should be a lot of help. I mean, when I look at Lucia, what you hear of is that he's not the most vocal captain. Yeah. And Sia himself says, I take my cues from such and such a player and the, uh, the, the guys who've been here longer than me, they actually help me out with some of the duties. Why isn't cricket like that Like for all countries? Now you understand. You know what I think it is? Yeah. I think it goes back to the fact that winning solves everything and losing exacerbates all the other things. Mm. So it's usually a burden in teams that are not performing well, if you think about it. I mean, when you, when you ask about Graham Smith, Graham Smith took on the captaincy and immediately we, he goes to England and he goes back-to-back double centuries, you know? Yeah. But he was in a team with Jacques Cullis, with Mark Boucher, with Sean Pollock, with Gary Kirsten, with Herschel Gibbs. So the 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 degree of difficulty of of leading that team was not was not very hard. Same thing with Steve Waugh, for example. Steve Waugh was when he was made captain, it, it the decision was between him and and Shane Warne at some point, you know. So Steve Waugh was the captain, but Shane Warne is still on the team, so he was another captain in there, you know. Yeah. And then they they developed this nucleus of these experienced players, similar again to the Proteus team that was very successful in before this period, prior to this period, you know, there was a Proteus team that was very successful and everyone knew their role. So mm-hmm. the captain wasn't 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 trying to actually galvanize guys, wasn't trying to pull things out of guys that may not be there but, to begin with. So I think I think it's made difficult by being in a difficult team. But I think that's that's a that's a clear point. I would yeah when things are going well the interview. So you you overthink. You are right? really thinking about like, oh my goodness, how do we sort this thing out? But my question is, Jay, if we're able to have, and it's not the first time it's happened anywhere where you've got uh, different captains for different formats, it shows that there is a clear nucleus or a group of leaders. Why why must it always seem? And maybe it's because you are losing. We're not to tell you one this particular burden because more more cases than not, the players who are captains in in, in the shorter formats also play in the longer formats. They're not exclusive captains, and therefore they only play exclusively yeah. in that other format. So my whole thing is, if Utemba was also by captain, Faf is still playing. He should uh, be able to to be a leader. Dean Elga might be able might get a run aside because he doesn't really play much T Twenty. Oh yeah, maybe. So those voices must be there, even 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 when they are winning. Because at the end of the day. When, when when England are doing bad, you hear it is Joe Root's fault or Alistair Cook or Strauss or whatever. When like for instance, I, I like what's it called, Sandpaper Gate or whatever. When, yeah. when when that plan was was hatched, you you it wasn't Steve Smith's idea. No, nobody. It, it was it was a lot of people and a lot of people, lot of people bought into it as well. That's that's what I feel. Cricket, but it leadership. seemed also to happen because he was he was on board. True, true. But what what I'm trying to say is that when they're struggling, we only hear of Steve Smith there one. Steve Smith has stepped down. Marama and Zama Sandpaper Kato when they're winning, it's a whole lot of other names. So is it, it I think it does work both ways as well though. Because yeah. you hear about successful captains. You know the record that Graham Smith is the most winningest 
test captain of all time you know mm. what does that even mean like he's not out there winning like test matches by himself although the record of the team is assigned to him so it's just cricket um that's that that that's that's the way in terms of i just explained in terms of how it's set up in terms of responsibility and then the results of that like follow you in that way we'd like to get a cricketer in here actually to have this conversation with them temba tell us i mean like i remember peter crouch podcast and he was talking about captain duties like in a football team and I think you're talking about when Beckham was England captain. I was going to say, like, dude, what do you think David Beckham was doing as like, England captain? David Beckham was delegating. I heard a good about Neville, good when a Neville, you're going to be in charge of him. I'm fine. You're going to be the one handing out tickets to the players and their families. So they helped him do all the other mundane stuff so he can shine on the field. Mind you, most of you it's raining. Captain should be bold. I'm full of bold. Like, why are you here? <laughs> like, nah, but I mean, my, my perception of it is that it's, it's just too much for one person. You might be successful at it, but I feel that's why there are so many, so few, sorry, captains who are successful at it because it's just too much for one person, I feel. You know what? Timber does need that help. We hope that he does actually have the support to make him a successful captain. The scenes, brah, if Timber leads us to... A, uh, a a title, whether it is the the fifty over World Cup or it's it, it's the twenty over one, <laughs> that yeah, we'll, we'll have an entire episode. You know what? Just to you know what? <laughs> you know it. Well, we have almost come to the end of the show, but before back by popular demand, we have been asked to give you guys our our hand at 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 punting, uh, punting, punting, punting. Yeah. Yes, so. We we used to give tips on, on, on betting and we are going to actually do that now again. It's worth reminding you that please, what we give is, is, is not for you to actually just go copy it and do it and then come back and say that you lost money because of us. Please do gamble responsibly. Please do gamble with money that you can afford to lose. And if you know that you are inclined to to, to having addictions, maybe just do not do it at all. So anyway, Chuck... Yeah. I've got five selections. You've got five selections. Um, yep. I think I'll go first. I'll give my five selections and quickly maybe give a reason as to why. And you will go with yours, which people should absolutely not listen to, but we'll get there when they hear what your selections are. Okay. So my five selections are, I've got, yeah, I've got double selections and over-unders. I've got Chelsea or a draw against Leeds United and over 1.5 goals. I don't see why Chelsea are going to lose their first match under Tuchel and Leeds do give you chances and that's the reason for the 1.5 I've got a draw or a win for Atletico Madrid and over 1.5 against Hetafe who are not having the best season after a good start to the La Liga season and that's actually a like high odds for that because Madrid do usually play like low scoring affairs but I'm looking to them to win maybe at least 2-0 if not draw 1-1. One, one. I've got Manchester City winning against Fulham and coming in with a score of under 4.5. Under 4.5 because Fulham have actually been defending well. And I've got Sporting Lisbon over in Portugal winning or drawing an under 4.5 again because Sporting have not lost a match this season. They are on top of the Primera División and they don't score many goals so that's the reason for the under 4.5 and lastly i've got olympiacos over in greece 
winning and under 4.5. Same reasons in terms of they don't score much and they are the number one team playing against the team who are bottom of the league over in Greece. Let's go, let's go, let's go. What's your odds on my team? odds on, on, on one of the betting sites we're looking at come to 125. There we go. Here's the theory, guys. You're gambling. You're not working hard. Extreme savings. Go bigger, go home. So if you put 100, 100 rand in this, you will have 12,500 rand. Do it. Um. So my first, my first tie is Leeds versus Chelsea. I am going against Jay's pick. I'm going for Leeds. Why? Because Patrick, Patrick Bamford has got a point to prove, number one. Two, Leeds are a team that are up and down. They've had their down game against West Ham. It's, it's time to go on the up. And like I said, Guti, Chelsea are not that solid. They, they're lucky. To, this is the game where to, uh, Tuchel's tower crumbles. Arsenal versus Tottenham, that's the North London derby. Bale is scoring goals. Kane is scoring goals. But I do think that Arsenal have it in them to make it a, a very, very, very interesting. interesting if Pepe um, can connect to the ball. Yeah, we, we we just forgot to do our mummy show of, of that particular game. Moving along, friendly. Chuck. Moving along. <laughs> Arsenal versus Tottenham, both teams to score. Um, and then we go to Six Nations. Scotland's Scotland's playing at home against Ireland. I think it's easy to say Ireland is a no-brainer. Ireland are going to win because they always dominate Scotland. And then in La Liga, we've got Sevilla versus Betis. I think under two and a half goals, and I'm picking Betis for the upset against Sevilla. Last but not least, we go UFC. Um, Leon Edwards against Bilal Muhammad. Another safe bet. Leon Edwards, I think, is world number five at middle at welterweight, and I think he would have been number one contender except for COVID and all that stuff. So he should beat this guy. So there you go. Five. I love five how you ties. say another safe bet as if the four preceding that were safe bets. No, another gee. safe bet. Your Scotland and Ireland was safe. Your UFC is safe. Amidst amongst all these things that you think are crazy bets but watch Leeds win yes again please watch do gamble responsibly guys this is all from this episode of to a front Chuck will, will tell you what we need from you guys from my side please follow us on the socials we are at to a front I am at J underscore Mzulu that's M Zulu and Chuck has a handle he is at Chuck to up so do follow him and become his third follower or something yeah. Anyway, <laughs> guys, what we would like to like from you guys is to interact, tweet, um, respond to what you're hearing through your headphones right now Kulumanias. via social media. So questions are, what do you make of Timber Bovuma's, um announcement as captain? Are you happy? Are you, celebra- are you celebrating with him? Do you think it was at the right time? And number two, looking at Chelsea, do you think that they have got a solid solid team and do you think that style matters chelsea fans do you think it matters how you win we're saying it doesn't really matter in the end what do you guys think that's all we got for today this is chuck and i'm out